Welcome to Wrestling with God Show, the podcast where we grapple with big questions about faith, religion, and life. I'm Irish McMahon, and I'm here with a guy who's been wrestling with God for quite a while now, my friend and Irish Catholic priest, Father Len McMillan. Top of the morning to you, Irish. Yeah, it's uh, it's a good one, I think. It's uh, sunny and bright outside, but we've got a lot of other stuff going on here, Father Len, especially here in 2020. We've got a very contentious uh, national election, which is about to happen. We're in the midst of a pandemic. Uh, we have racial and political unrest going on across the country, and often that's accompanied by violent protests, so just a little bit of stuff going on here. I think it's, you know, for me, it's been a year like I've never experienced before, and I think you've expressed uh, similar sentiments. Um, And I know, out of character for you, you've been watching some television news lately, and certainly you felt the effects of all this craziness that's going on here in our church in Meridian, Idaho. And I also know, because we've talked a little bit about it, that you have some pretty strong feelings about what's going on and how we should actually view it and react to it. So, Father Len, help us grapple with how to think about and respond to chaotic times like this in our lives. Let me start with a story. So I was um, walking home and there's a woman in the parking lot who I know, and I stopped to talk to her and I was kind of surprised because she was telling me the story that with COVID and politics and all this other stuff going on is that what upset them the most is that they can't even have their adult children gather together, not because of the social distancing of COVID. It's that some people are going to vote for this person. Other ones of the kids are going to vote for this one. And they're so mad at each other. They can't even gather as a family. And the mother was like, well, you know, part of us, we just almost don't want it because there's just so much anger. And it kind of shocked me because you're going to sacrifice your unity as a family based on how your siblings are going to vote. Or even just the anger of, in the news, 30 cops were run over. That's just shocking. And then the next story in the news was these militias who are bringing guns and, you know, automatic weapons to polling places. And there's just so much anger that for the last uh, week, we've been doing this novena for civility, that there's just too much anger. And so for those who don't know what a novena is, explain that, Father Land. Oh, I could make a joke on that. So can you stand a quick <laughs> you, joke? Yeah, sure. Go for a joke. Why not? So, we need some. We need a little levity in times like this. A guy goes to this Franciscan priest and says, Father, I don't know, is it wrong to pray that I can get a Lexus? He says, is there some sort of novena for a Lexus? And the, the, the Franciscan priest says, um, well, I know what a novena is. What's a Lexus? And, <laughs> So the guy thinks, there's no way can this priest help me. So then he goes to a Jesuit priest and he says, Father, I want to pray f- to get Alexis. Is there some novena I can pray for Alexis? And the Jesuit priest says, well, it's a novena. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so a novena is a prayer that you say for nine days. There's this custom of the nine days. So Okay. We've been praying for more civility and unity. And 
I get the fact that people seem to be holding their breath over the elections and COVID, but it makes me ask, what kind of hope do you have? Is all your hope in the future based on politics? Because it makes me think of St. Augustine, who St. Augustine lived almost 2,000 years ago, and he was very proud of the Roman culture. But the day that he dies is when Rome is being conquered. That's pretty amazing. And part of it is that he writes this treatise called The Two Kingdoms, the city of God and the city of man. And do we put all our faith in the city of man, or do we also have some hope in the city of God? And yes, Rome fell, everything he loved fell, but it all worked out for God's plan. You know, yeah, the barbarians came and attacked Rome, and yeah, well, we welcomed them into the church. So there are these two kingdoms, the political kingdom and the spiritual kingdom. And, you know, after you do your duty of voting, it should be preceded by serious prayer. But if you put all your hope in your candidate winning, if you're overly happy or overly sad after the election, maybe you put too much hope into the wrong kingdom. Um, that's what I'm thinking. And where we find our identity is where we find our kingdom. If your identity is all tied to politics or culture, uh, then your kingdom is political. Like the, the kids who can't even gather around the same table, their whole identity is more based on politics than that as a family. And it is Christ who reigns no matter how we humans screw things up. It's Christ who really governs, not the Republicans, not the Democrats, not some one world order, not some deep state, not the Illuminati, even though I really don't know who they are. <laughs> Any kid, no, serious, I really don't get that. Any kingdom built by us will never last. Tyrants reign and they look powerful for a moment, but they always end up in the dustbin of history. No nation exists forever. But the one thing that does is the kingdom of God. So I like the idea of trusting in the moral arc of the universe. And that phrase, the moral arc of the universe, it it's attributed to Martin Luther King, but that's incorrect. It was actually this 19th century religious figure that the arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends towards justice. The arc of the moral universe is long, and it's, I would say, is being bent towards the kingdom of God by the very one who created the universe. So I think those who react in anger or violence, they have no faith in the creator. They put all their faith in politics. So, Father Len, hearing you talk about this moral arc of the universe and how it's always being bent toward the kingdom of God— uh, by the one who created the universe, I, I couldn't help but think of our great country. And it seems like a wonderful example of this arc and how, you know, it, it's bending toward the kingdom of God. When you kind of think about uh, it, the foundational belief in God that we had that in the founding of the country and the fact that we're guided by Judeo-Christian values, 
And even like the Declaration of Independence uh, and the Pledge of Allegiance, and they certainly seem to reflect the kingdom of God, in particular, uh, its love and unity. Like, I'm sure you're familiar with this. From the beginning of the Declaration, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Yeah, I think those truths are only self-evident if you believe that all people are created in the image of God. And yet our country, we've had terrible struggles, slavery, civil rights, women's rights. But just in 200 years, which is a small tick of the clock in human history, we have made such incredible progress. But I do think it is Christ who is slowly bringing about generation after generation, more and more freedoms and closer to the kingdom of God. And yet every generation will have its struggle towards the kingdom of God. Well, and then, you know, you also mentioned that uh, uh, no nation lasts forever. And uh, so Abraham Lincoln had this kind of startling quote, you know, where he said, America will never be destroyed from the outside. If we falter and lose our freedoms, it will be because we destroyed ourselves. Oh, that is such a great line. The character is destiny. (laughs) So anyway, so I, I, I love the moral arc of the universe. I do too. It is, I, it gives me hope. Yeah, no, it's, it's a, it's a cool concept to have in mind as we go through these struggles. Well, the other thing you're really saying to us is do our best to build this moral, righteous, good kingdom here on earth, but uh, it's going to end no matter what happens. And we should put our faith in something bigger, something greater. Yeah. And I, I'm not advocating quietism that we would just re- withdraw from the world. I think people should have passionate re- political beliefs. I really do. I think it makes for the best of, of our nation. But a family that can't gather together because of politics, people who hate other people because of politics, they define each other's brothers and sisters' political fo- philosophy as a threat to them you've handed everything over to one hope and that's politics. But my belief is that the internal is always more powerful than the external. I'm not saying that the external things in life aren't important, but I am saying that the internal, our communion with Christ, our virtues, humility, compassion, unity, those are the really important things that's going to determine the future. It's the internal that predicts our future, not really our political vote. That's the external. And I, I, I found that so true. Like when I was a newly ordained priest, I uh, was sent to McCall because it was massively in debt. And McCall is a plum parish. And I remember as I, um, I was kind of overwhelmed because I knew there's lawsuits and um, it filed for bankruptcy and all these problems. And I went to go talk to this guy who was um, – uh, corporate head. And I said, well, what about all these uh, financial stuff? And he said, let me tell you the truth. This is the way it always works. He said, when any time a company gets in trouble, 
you know, they'll say, oh, it's stock market prices or this or that and da, 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 da. But the truth is somebody's ego got out of control. And that's what you're going to find. And not letting your own fear ego control the situation is all you really need to know. Or there's this guy named Patrick Lencioni, who I just, I love whatever he has to write or say. And he tells the story that he was hired by this computer company who had this famous, famous guy who was head of the, uh, the software company and all these huge hitters, great university qualifications. And the company fell apart because they had so much ego. And later on, when the company falls apart, they say, oh, it's due to stock market prices or blah, 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 blah. Truth be known, the guy is right. It's always ego. And my only point is that is that it's the internal that predicts our future more than the machinations of politicians or people. So rather than get overwhelmed with a fear and contempt, like I think you have to examine your own monsters. And Nietzsche, Nietzsche said something very interesting. He was this kind of cynical philosopher who said, if we go to fight monsters, make sure that we don't end up becoming the monster. And you find that all the time. People who fight for family values, you know, later on you find out that they've been having affairs or a sexual predator or people who fight for civil rights. They end up doing violence to the innocent. History is replete with these kind of paradoxes. I know this woman who, um, I really like this woman. She's in my family orbit, I'll say. But she really cares for social justice, especially against abuse of women and children. And she's this brilliant thinker who loves history, but she just rages and rages at everything. Her personal life is filled with these series of broken relationships, mostly with those who have challenged her authority. And what is she professed to hate the most? The abuse of power. And yet the paradox is that's what's destroying most of her relationships. And yet she thinks she's aimed at making the world a better place. And she has to some extent, but also completely unaware of how much anger she brings into the room in every relationship. Then at, after a lifetime of broken relationships, she calls that justice. So Nietzsche is right. We need to work on our own monsters. If I think one should be, and I do, I think one should be politically and civically engaged, but one must equally work on the monsters in us. In our Catholic spirituality, we have this tradition of putting a lot of emphasis on discovering our and being honest about our own brokenness. You know, we call that confession. Confession is not just about getting your sins forgiven. It's about being able to name your own monsters, getting better year after year after year at that. We pray for that during Lent to know what are our monsters. And so if we're going to fix the world, yeah, we have to, I think, be aware it's the internal values that matter the most. What monsters do we carry and what tools do we have to fix the world? And the tools are not political. I think a large percentage are unwilling to engage with people who have opposing political views. 
and that's creating even more animosity. It's especially worrisome since many of the crises that we're facing, you know, the pandemic and racial injustice, um, requires cooperation, trust, and solutions from a diverse citizenry. Citizens, citizenry. Citizenry. I can't yeah. even say it now, Father Lynn. Exactly. You've got me all screwed up. You know, yeah. what What occurs to me, what you're really saying, uh, I hope I can articulate this, is that in our personal relationships, our close relationships with our families, we we should be talking about and thinking about the morals and values that are important to us and how we're doing with those, how we're practicing those. It seems like so many of these arguments about the world and politics and big things, we get into these tribes, and I don't even know that we often know why we're in a tribe. We're in the Republican tribe or the Democratic tribe or the liberal tribe or the conservative tribe or some other tribe, and instead of having real conversations about real values, it's more about your tribe is worse than my tribe, or my tribe is better than your tribe. And we, or, the, or even the, worse, to, to think that that other tribe is a threat to my existence, when they're right. your own brothers and sisters. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I just, uh, I, I've just been thinking about that with, uh, you know, in in my family, and in particular, my sister and her kids are just—they cannot talk about anything political now, and a couple of my kids are that way too. Um, and it's it is all this tribalism. We don't talk about what matters to us so much. You know, we talk about the personality of of our candidate versus the personality of your candidate. And you the know, whole, even before, yeah, even before we start talking about that, let's just agree that like the family that's torn apart, why don't we agree that, okay, politics are important, but what's more important is our love for each other, our unity being there that we have to, yes, we have to live in families that may have different political opinions, but our love for each other are, is, has more strength than anything else. And just casting a vote won't change our nation if we can't work together or only hate the other half of America. So I just think it requires a lot of inner work rather than blaming the other people. And the inner work is the tools of spirituality, you know, the virtues, compassion, love, unity, and even humility, this humility, you know, the awareness of your personal strengths and weaknesses, the humble can acknowledge those weaknesses and work to improve them. And most importantly, humility allows us to work with people who um, are completely different. It allows us to let go of our defensiveness, to take in information that may challenge our political beliefs, or to see you know, the humanity in people on the other end of the political spectrum. But if it's all this tribalism, all it's going to do is tear us apart. Uh, most people don't even consider the power of humility as useful. But those who test high on humility, they also score high on forgiveness and patience and have far less negative moods. And I, I'm not meaning to go too much off on the virtue of humility, but 
it's only with all these internal virtues, humility, that we can have more civil conversations. We don't need more anger. It won't fix our problems. So I'm just saying, you know, as the election draws near, election day is so close. I think as you go into the election booth, take all your values, but take the internal ones. And it always amazes me that this year, I should say, that election day and the feast of all the saints are right next to each other, where you have the feast of all saints, where we believe we belong to the kingdom that comprises of every race, nationality, language, and way of life. And as diverse as they all are in the kingdom of God, they're all united in love. So take all the saints into the booth with you. Yeah. I, like I know that, that sounds good. It's a crowded booth. Yeah, um, yeah, very crowded. Like I, I feel so sorry that families are being torn apart by this. Yeah, I think you should have strong, strong, powerful political beliefs, but never as strong as your internal of love and compassion and patience. I'm, Democracy is self-correcting, even if we get into trouble. Democracy is self-correcting, except now I'm thinking it's not if you have so much anger. Somebody said, you know, we're almost to the point of a civil war, which I disagree. But language like that, that only increases division, doesn't allow democracy to be self-correcting. Well, you know, the other thing about times like this and when things are contentious and controversial... It seems like most conversations are centered on winning an argument, winning, you know, uh, I guess winning an argument rather than really looking at things and trying to come together. It's, it's more about winning. I think you get lost in the whole, the power of winning as opposed to really discussing your values and, and, and having an open, honest, humble discussion about them. I, I mean, it's just too much winning and losing to me. Yeah, I, I agree. I just think it's, uh, yeah, so election day grows near. I really do pray for our nation. Well, Father Lynn, thanks for that. And uh, I think these are kind of universal suggestions and perspectives that you've given us today about any time we're in a contentious part of our lives with our families, with friends during elections and whatever. So thanks for that. And uh, thanks to all our listeners for listening to the Wrestling With God show. And we always appreciate hearing your questions and comments about what we're doing. Uh, It's easy to get in touch with us. Just head over to our website. It's www.gshow.com. That's www.gshow.com. And you click on the questions button, you'll see lots of ways to get in touch with us there. We also encourage you to subscribe, rate, and review the Wrestling With God show at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. It helps people discover us, and it'll also help you keep from missing one of our episodes because you'll always be notified when we publish a new one. So we hope you'll join us next time as we continue our journey climbing the mountain of life, searching for truth, meaning, purpose, and a little peace in our lives. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Mm -hmm.